You are listening to Keystone's Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 10. Today we kick off with a quick look at the U.S. OTCQX market and the construction of our new U.S. small cap discovery portfolio in our U.S. growth stock research. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we review a viewer question on the wildly volatile healthcare small cap Nobilis Health Corp, symbol NHC on the TSX. And in our Stars and Dogs of the Week, we review two internet behemoths, Alphabet Company, the parent of Google, and Amazon.com. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. Our podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone's senior equity analyst, a father of one, and a man who, this Monday, will, for the first time in 40 years finally hang up that vampire cape, turn in his pillowcase, and officially retire from the trick-or-treat game. Mr. Aaron Dunn. Thanks, Ryan. I'll I'll note that um, the only reason I'm retiring from the trick-or-treat game is because my two-year-old doesn't want the competition, and I figure I could just steal her candy for a couple years anyway, so I'm good. Yeah. Perhaps you're a bit of an embarrassment out there, too. It happens. (laughs) I don't mind that. But no. uh, but on no to shame. No on shame. to investment related subjects. Uh, I've been getting some phone calls from your family. They're a little bit concerned about you. They've been they say that you've been you've been not sleeping much. You've been staying up late at night doing a lot of research. Um, you're looking at uh, at putting out a new report, U.S. small cap discovery portfolio, looking for profitable small but growing U.S. U.S. stocks that are lacking coverage. Um, I think you're, you're you're looking for for smaller companies, some market caps under 500 million, and and stocks that have just broken into profitability or turnaround situation. So why don't we talk about that? Could you um could you just give me a a quick discussion of of, of the report? Yeah, I mean just to start off, my family is concerned about me at at the best of times. So uh, a lack of sleep. Uh, just adds to that, but uh, yeah, we're putting together that report. Um, we're really looking at uh, it's really discovery research that we're doing in the U.S. Um, one of the areas that we are looking at is the over-the-counter market, which is a dicey arena to be looking in. But there's some specific areas of that market we're looking in right now. Um, we also are including Nasdaq small cap companies and. Uh, uh, New York Stock Exchange listed small cap companies, smaller companies with great growth uh, that are undiscovered, and that's going to be in our U.S. small caps discoveries portfolio. We're really excited about it. Yeah, no, that that is that is exciting. I, I know you love discovery research. I know you love finding profitable, explosive companies before anybody else does. So, so that's something that I'm looking forward to as well. But. Maybe give like you mentioned over the counter. So these are OTC traded stocks in the U.S. So just give us a quick explanation of the OTC. Yeah, well, the OTC refer the market in the U.S. refers to uh, or anywhere refers to any exchange that are other than organized exchange, such as the TSX or the New York Stock Exchange. Now, over the counter bulletin board is an electronic community of market makers. Essentially, there are three basic OTC markets in the U.S. There's the OTCQX, which is operated by OTC Market Group, and the Securities Exchange Commission, or the SEC, 
imposes more stringent financial and reporting requirements on OTCQX stocks. So this is the group that we focus on. But there is also the OTCB bulletin board. Uh, this is the over-the-counter bulletin board, and it, it's an electronic community, like I said, of market makers. Companies that fall off the NASDAQ are often end up here. Now, the OTC, there are no quantitative minimums or no minimum annual sales or assets required to list on this exchange. Now, the third area, the OTC in the U.S., is the OTC pink sheets or the gray market. And companies are not required to register with the SEC that list here. Their liquidity is often minimal here. And you've got to keep in mind that these companies are not even required to submit their quarterly financial statements. So... These are the type of companies, really, that we wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Now, OTC markets generally, like I said, list smaller companies, and in many cases, but not always, these companies have fallen off or were on a uh, larger exchange like the NASDAQ in the past. But there are some individual investors even that wouldn't consider buying the OTC due to the extra risks involved. And, and we agree with this. If, you're, if, you're, if you are all risk-adverse, it's probably not the market for you. On the other hand, there are some strong companies that trade on the OTC. In fact, one of the largest companies in the world, Walmart, got its start on the OTC and eventually upgraded to a listing on a fully regulated market. Now, we're, we're looking at companies who have the potential to do that, uh, that type of uplisting. Now, in recent years, there have been several strong companies that have deliberately switched to the OTC market to, to avoid the administrative burden and costly fees that accompany regularly, uh, regularly oversight laws such as the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. So there is you know, this new range of smaller companies that are listing on that exchange um, to avoid some of the cumbersome and very costly exchange fees that you, you, you need to pay to list on larger exchanges. Um, in, in Canada, many would compare the OTC to the TSX Venture. We'd more compare it to the... Canadian stock exchange in Canada, but there are some similarities to both. Okay, so what I'm gathering here is you're you're looking for the next you're looking for the next Walmart stores. Is that is that what the opportunity is? Uh, I mean, it would be great to find your. It, those are very difficult to find, but you're looking for the companies that uh, you know the, these undiscovered gems that um, really uh, that are are listed there. there. There's no coverage on the companies, and we can find a stock. You know, the ugly duckling that can grow into the brilliant swan is really what we're looking for. It's a different type of research, discovery research, but when you look where no one else is looking, you have the potential to find mispriced stocks, and that's what we're doing when we're looking at this market. And you discussed risk. Obviously, the risk is, is generally higher on the OTC, so it's not, it's not going to be suitable for, for all investors. It's, it's something that would go in your, the, the risk capital portion of your portfolio. Anything else to add about the, the risk profile of these stocks? Well, I think we can just reiterate what you said because that's very important. This is the highest risk end of our coverage in the U.S., and it's only suitable for risk capital. Some, in some of these companies, liquidity can be an issue. Um, by liquidity, I mean the trading in and out of a stock. Um, now, that can also be an opportunity long-term if we find a company that we can find mispriced, uh, buy-in early, and then sell later to institutions when the companies have achieved a level of size that they feel more comfortable buying into. So, you know, we're looking at those type of opportunities, high growth situations with long-term 
potential to uplist to say the NASDAQ or the New York uh, Stock Exchange over the long term. Excellent. And then, of course, one of the best ways to manage risk if you were to buy a couple of these these explosive OTC stocks is just to just to keep the position small. Obviously, you don't want to overexpose yourself and um, take keep a couple small, small positions. I mean, yeah, I mean, one thing you can do if you put ten to twenty thousand into this, you can equally weight ten percent into each company, and just that's all you're contributing in your overall portfolio of 100, 200, 300,000, whatever is in your portfolio, take a small percentage of it. And uh, these, this can be a, an element to that overall portfolio that you're building. Sounds great. Sounds great. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure we're, we're going to come up with some exciting stories. Yeah. And now we're going to move on to our uh, Your Stock, Our Take segment. This is our segment that uh, listeners uh, send in their stocks and get an analyst's take or our take on that individual company. And Aaron's going to start off with a, a company, a very volatile uh, uh, healthcare-related Canadian small cap stock. Yeah, so the stock that I'm going to talk about today is Noblis Health Corp. The symbol is NHC. So this is a company that manages healthcare facilities, owns and manages healthcare facilities in Texas and Arizona. These are primarily um, uh, surgical hospitals and surgical centers. So what they, produ- what they do is they provide the medical facilities and some additional infrastructure and support, and then they, they partner with surgeons to offer medical services to individuals. We actually, we actually profiled this company way back, I believe it was in 2012, at around $0.10 cents, um, in one of our microcap breakthrough reports. Uh, it, was, uh, it was called North Star Healthcare at the time. You know, since then, up up until up until 2015, that the stock had an amazing run. Um, it 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 hit a it hit a, a high of 9.45 in April of 2015. So at the start of 2013, from 13 cents to to 9.45 uh, in in April 2015. But since then, we've seen the stock fall almost 60 percent to four dollars today. This is a company, I'm glad that we have a chance to discuss this, because this is a company that we fielded a lot of questions on when the stock was on a tear in 2014 and the early part of 2015. At that time, it just seemed like the share price appreciation, that there was just no end in sight. But we had a big problem with the stock at that time, and that problem basically came down to the very complicated nature of the company's business model. And what we thought were somewhat cryptic financial statements, particularly on the the income statement. So what we were seeing when we looked at the financials is, although the revenue growth and the total net income growth was was absolutely phenomenal over that period, the majority of the profits seemed to be going out the door to non-controlling interests. And what these non-controlling interests were, they were the partnership deals. This This was the profit going out to the surgeons that they were partnering with. Um, so just to give you an example, in 2013, total profits were $6.7 million, but $5.5 million of that went to the non-controlling interest, leaving only $2.2 for the, for the shareholders of the company. And we, we saw similar, similar numbers in, in 2014. Um, there were some quarters, actually, where it looked like where the company, on a, on a total net, net earnings basis, was generating very strong positive profitability, but virtually all of those profits went to the non-controlling interest and, and the shareholders were actually left with, with a net loss. So this was this was a major concern to us. It was it was complicated. It was fairly obvious that the that the surgeons were getting paid first and it didn't seem like a like a very stable um, business practice for the for the common shareholders. 
Uh, in, in early 2015, right around the, the time the stock peaked, a very negative report came out on the company um, from, a sh- from a shorting firm. And I believe that this non-controlling interest issue was, was one of the problems that were discussed. I haven't read this report myself, so I, I can't comment about its credibility. But, you know, when, the, when this was a, certainly a situation where it was a market darling for a long time. And I heard a lot of analysts and a lot of portfolio managers talking about the stock, loving the stock. But I never really heard them mention the, the complicated uh, business model, which was a major concern for us. So fast forward today, looking at the financials in the current year. The structure still looks fairly complicated. Uh, revenue growth continues to be very strong. Earnings growth uh, in in twenty fifteen on the bottom line was was quite strong, um, and they're they're also making acquisitions. So it, it is a growth through acquisition story as well. They actually just this week announced a major acquisition, and the stock was up eleven percent on on Friday. Um, but when you look at the current financials, they reported a a, a net loss so far year to date um, in in twenty. 16. So management's guidance for, for the year is about $280 million in revenue, $53 million in EBITDA, which would be solid growth year over year. But we really find that this is still a business that is difficult to understand. Uh, it's, and and when, when a business is difficult to understand, we always we say that it's unwise to invest in it because you don't want to buy something that you don't understand. What we like to see in the companies we recommend is is nice clean earnings and cash flow to common shareholders um, that's that's easy to follow easy to analyze um, and this doesn't seem to be the case with with noblest right now when you look at the growth on the top line like i said it is absolutely phenomenal and and the acquisitions are you know they they, they seem to be growing the company um in in some periods certainly certainly the revenues and and the the total net income it has been going up overall but you know, with 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 some of the with some of the complications that that I've discussed, I think that this is a company that we would continue to follow because we think that it does have potential. But at this point in time, it's it's not something that we would invest in. So, I would uh, I would stay away and just down on the sidelines for now. I think that's a great take on the company. Thank you, Aaron. We're gonna we're gonna move on to our um, to our stars and dogs of the week. We'll start off with this week's star. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. And that is Alphabet Company, which is, of course, the holding company for Google, which includes internet products such as its Search, its Ad or AdWords, uh, Google Pay, Maps, YouTube, uh, Google Apps, Cloud, Android, uh, Chrome, Google Play, and hardware products, which include Chromecast, Chromebooks, and the new Pixel camera with its Android mobile operating system. Now, what is driving this stock? Well, 18 years after its founding, the world's biggest online advertising company is now a search mobile and video juggernaut with $600 billion plus market cap and over $200 billion in annual sales. It's still growing the number of ads it sells at a 30% plus clip. Now that is an accomplishment that does not get enough credit and one in a highlight that highlights both the company's ability to execute against its many opportunities and how the broader online ad industry keeps growing at the expense of older forms of media. Now, Google's parent this past week reported third quarter revenue of 22.45 billion 
Despite that huge number, it is up 20% year over year. Adjusted EPS or earnings per share were up 23%, and they topped consensus estimates. Uh, the estimate uh, earnings from uh, analysts, the consensus was for $8.64. The company came in at $9.06, so a significant beat. More good news from the report while fueling most of the Q3 growth were ad revenues from Google's own sites, such as uh, YouTube. And, and it rose more, they rose more than 23% to $16.1 billion. Uh, helping, also helping was the fact that Google's non-advertising revenues, so outside of its ad revenues, revenues rose 39%, better than in the Q2 period where it rose 33%. So you're actually seeing an acceleration in terms of non-advertising revenue from Google. Now the bad from the quarter, ad sales on non-Google sites remain pressured rising just 1% in the quarter. Um, as display ad dollars seem to shift towards Facebook and other social media platforms. Now, anecdotally, I'm not even sure my 10-year-old knows what network TV is today, but I do know I cannot pry him away from YouTube, which, and YouTube itself gets over half of its video views from mobile, which has been, become a big advertising channel for many brands and online merchants, and it's only growing. On its earnings call, Google mentioned that YouTube's six-second bumper ads continue to see strong uptake with brands, and that it has rolled out measurement tools which show YouTube ads at nearly, are nearly twice as likely as TV ads to drive search activity. I will not bet against Google. Despite its size, it continues to grow and create cash flow at a tremendous clip. Year-to-date, the stock is up 36% and just over 500 or just under 500% in the last five years. This gives the stock the coveted status of our star of the week. And something tells me the stock will make an appearance here again in the not so distant future. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's dog. This week's dog is Amazon.com. The symbol is AMZN on the NASDAQ exchange. Shares of Amazon fell more than 5% on Friday after the company reported earnings below analyst expectations and sales that were merely in line with analyst forecasts. The company said it earned $252 million in the third quarter, or $0.52 cents per share, compared to $79 million or $0.17 cents per share in the same quarter last year. Sales in the period rose 29% to just under $33 billion compared to $25.4 billion a year ago. So analysts had expected the company to report $0.77 cents per share in earnings and uh, $33, $33 billion in revenue. So this was a fairly significant miss on the earnings line. But there is some good news to the story as well. According to Amazon, uh, there was a very good reason why they didn't hit profit expectations on the earnings conference call, the company explained that it, is, it has invested heavily in two key areas, fulfillment centers and video. So during the third quarter, the company built 18 fulfillment centers. These are the very same warehouses where they, they fill many of their orders. And for the calendar year, they expect to finish building 26 fulfillment centers in all. So it's worth noting that when Amazon funnels its revenues into aggressively building out more fulfillment centers, it does take a hit to its profits in the short term, but this is a long-term investment for the company. Another key area Amazon has invested heavily in is video. It's estimated that 63 million people use Amazon Prime. 
So video in in the form of an ever-expanding uh, selection of licensed content and original content has been key to helping drive Prime memberships and retain those users. But the original content development does not come cheap. Amazon itself does not disclose um, what it's pouring into, into its video segment, but just to give you an idea of the numbers, its competitor Netflix plans on spending $6 billion in original content through 2016. So valuation-wise, this, this stock is, is very pricey. It trades at, uh, at multiples in the order of several hundred times earnings right now. So based on, for our strategy, it's, it's, it's far too pricey for us, us to touch. But I also wouldn't bet uh, against the, the stock. You know, in spite of the, in spite of the earnings miss, the, the stock is still up 15% year-to-date. It's up uh, 260% over the last five years and about 1,900% over the last 10 years. So this is not a company that, that, uh, that I, would, I would short if, if, if any of you short investors out there are, are, are looking for an opportunity. Today's earnings miss does give it the the status, the not so coveted status of Keystone's dog at the week, but the near term correction may have some non price sensitive growth investors uh, looking to buy the stock on weakness. This will not be us due to the valuation, but it it, it certainly is a company that uh, that has a lot of potential operationally as we go forward. The way I would look at this is if you're uh, if you see a a runaway train barreling down the down the tracks. Yeah, might not want to jump on the train and take a ride, but you don't want to stand in its way either. So we'll just stand on the sidelines and and watch Amazon from afar. I agree. I mean, those are two stocks really where it's, uh, particularly in Amazon's case, it's kind of like a train coming in your direction. You just have to get out of the way. Um, It's sometimes hard to understand. That's going to wrap it up again for this week. Uh, we'd like to encourage listeners to keep sending in questions. We're getting, uh, we're getting a bunch of questions every week now. It's, it's great. Uh, send them in for your, your stock uh, or our take segment, and we'll uh, endeavor to answer those over the coming weeks. Um, and uh, uh, again, our REIT report that came out last week, it's a great report. We encourage you to take a look at that. Clients, get in your accounts and look at that. And if you're not a client, become a client today and take a look at that because it's some of the best advice out there on uh, on the entire Canadian REIT sector. And we have three specific REIT recommendations in there. So get your hands on that report if you haven't seen it already. Aaron, uh, I'm going to wish you and the listeners profitable investing.